really cool. I had a good time. I keep saying it was really cool. Can you just like cut out all of my it was really cools? You just gotta, I mean, yes, but you gotta just replace it with like the specific thing that you mean. Like, I do mean it was really cool. Well, what about it? All of it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. It's just still saying it was really cool. I in a know. Ah, <laughs> like. Bees, CBs live in colonies, fuzzy MCs with a singer for emergencies. Cooperate to pollinate, never work alone. Just don't bring a honey home to the honeycomb. You notice that every time we start this podcast, we're talking about French pastries. Pretty sure the beginning of every episode we've been like, let's talk about the features of croissants. Every single one. I don't think so. Really? I think so. The first one was called a petit déjeuner. Yeah, but a petit déjeuner is very French. Can't not talk about a petit déjeuner. It is really funny that our French podcasts, like, because we edit them, I don't know if people can tell, but... We're eating all the time. Yeah, it's like just like laced with chewing and like drinking coffee. Yeah, I, you. well, I could tell when I was editing it. Mm. I cut a lot of it out, but you can tell when somebody's making a point with a mouthful of pastry. And that's when you pay attention. That's when you know the lesson's important. <laughs> so, it is 9 in the morning, 30 degrees, inside our apartment and outside. We got back from Paris last night, around midnight. Yeah. On the train. Which um, is about two hours after we were planning on getting back in Paris. Yeah, it's about two hours delayed. But we get a 25% refund for that, which is nice. Yeah, yesterday we had a big day in Paris. Not quite as big as our first day in Paris, but maybe a little more craft fun. Mm-hmm. Although our first day in Paris, even though we didn't get to do all the things that we wanted to do, it was super smooth sailing. Buses and trains ran on time, everything just sort of worked out for us. It allowed us to really visit all of the monuments. Yeah, we walked around a lot too. Yeah. We, we got to do a lot of exploring. Tons, tons Whereas, of exploring. Yes, we only did, did really three locations. It's funny, we didn't mention it the last time that we went to Paris, but the city really smells like pee a lot, all over the place. <laughs> Celine and Yannick asked for our first impression of Paris, and the last time we did the podcast, we somehow forgot to say that like the moment we stepped out of the train station, all we smelled was urine. This time we learned our lesson. We did not step out of the train station. We went straight from the, straight from the high-speed train to the metro. Yeah, but it was freaking 40 degrees out. Yeah, it was crazy hot. We are in... The white hot center of hell, honestly. Like, we're in Dante's Inferno. We should make a joke about how this is like uh, the Da Vinci Code sequel. Because it's like Dante's Inferno. Isn't the third one just called Inferno? I think it was just called Inferno. But the second one was called Angels and Demons. Yeah, well, Nick Cage is great in all of them. Good old Nick Cage. Good old Johnny Cage. It was so hot that. I don't even know. Like we were when we were in Madrid, it was hot. It was like felt like close to forty degrees. One time, I visited a friend of mine in Dubai, and I got out of the airport, and I felt like I was being desiccated. Like all of the water was evaporating from my skin from just like being outside. Stop it. And that's how I felt yesterday. Like, and the, with the forest fires as well. Like all of France just smells like wood smoke. Like it's it's bad right now. Honestly. It's really bad. It's really bad. So going into the catacombs was actually kind of a a relief. Yeah. (laughs) In that respect. I did for the first time 
appreciate Paris as somewhere that I could spend time. It's because you had finer things yeah. this time. <laughs> Starting the day off. What did we do? So first we went to Rue Saint-Germain, right? Um, yeah, once we got to Paris, we headed straight to... Hey, that's my guy. Cafe. What are you eating my guy? We're just we're just we're, we've both we're, been eating this one. We're just one. picking. We're just oh, I picking. thought this one was mine, and it was just going down so so fast. I was like, damn, I, I do eat quickly. I better hurry up and eat this before I eat it. <laughs> Anyways, we went to Saint Germain, which is where like Hemingway and this like artistic movement took place. If anybody's seen like Midnight in Paris with uh, Owen Wilson, wow, uh, with Owen Wilson. Uh, Saint Germain is like one of the areas where all of the high society hung out in like I don't know when that would have been like around 1900 right yeah I don't know when Hemingway did his thing but sitting inside Cafe Louise on Saint Germain and having these like incredible artisanal cocktails Mm -hmm. just fantastic food and yeah it felt like it felt like culture but it felt like casual culture it was like the food and the drinks and the quality in Canada that would be considered like a fine dining mm. restaurant. I was just thinking that it's just like a casual thing. And I had this like duck breast with pepper sauce that made me want to cry and truffle mashed potato. Oh my was... god. Okay. The truffle mashed potato made me cry. Probably the best mashed potato I've ever had in my life. Any truffle based thing also, but the thing that sent it over the top was it just happened to work so well with the the beef tartare on Jess's plate. Yeah, the beef tartare <laughs> on my plate and the random Bordeaux that we ordered. Like, you know that scene in Ratatouille? I don't know if you remember it, where like he shoves like a grape and then like a piece of cheese in his mouth and then he closes his eyes and he like, you know, sees like little fireworks of like every single flavor and each flavor was totally unique. But combine one flavor with another, and something new was created. That's kind of what it tasted like when you had a little bit of truffle mash in your mouth, threw in a little bit of like this like sweet and savory steak tartare. And then, like, rinsed it out with some Bordeaux. It was immaculate. The things that were happening in my mouth was immaculate. Without sin. Beautiful. It was like the Virgin Mary blessed your meal. I thought you were going to go real dirty with that. I was. <laughs> so the lunch on Saint Germain was, was amazing. And I, I could imagine coming back there every day for, like, a little meal and a little cocktail. Um, and like I said, in Canada, it would be like fine dining. But in Paris, it was just a cafe. Yeah. It was a cafe. Unreal. So that was one of the big things we did. That was the one that was really for me. I kind of insisted that I wanted to have this like classic lunch on the boulevard. We also went to the catacombs. Yeah. Which is for me. Just for Jess. And we also went to Storer, which was Jess's idea. But we both benefited. <laughs> And then we went to Starbucks. But we have to thank Celine and Yannick for the recommendation to go to Storare. Yeah, it was really good. It was a pastry shop that was established in like 1782 by the pastry chef of King Louis XV's father-in-law. Like, it was it's crazy. There's a little plaque on the door. Yeah. 
and the desserts in there were just ridiculous. Right after Cafe Louise, we made a beeline for Storer. We got a shit ton of treats. It was on this really, really cute, quaint brick road, super old. Yeah, really old, like 18th century old. Lots and lots of restaurants and bakeries and, and markets and tourists, tons of tourists. And Sora was kind of in the middle. It didn't seem that busy, which I was surprised about, but makes sense. It was super air conditioned in there. It was very so. air conditioned. And it seems kind of yeah. unknown, like a bit of a hidden gem. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other like patisseries that are, I think, a little bit more modern. Like, there's this one that's apparently got five stars on Google Maps, and they do croissants, like, long. Like, like it's just, like, folded pastry. Like, it, it's, like, a rectangular pastry that's, like, folded a bunch of times. And they, and they just bake it, it like that? Yeah, and they call it a croissant, even though it does not have the croissant shape. Interesting. Yeah. And cakes that look like fruit, and then making fruit that's actually ice cream. I don't know, just... Lots Interesting, French, French innovative things. French things, French pastries. So Jess has been dreaming about this place for weeks. Yeah. And their selection did not disappoint. Mm-hmm. They had, I didn't take a video of it, unfortunately, but they just had a diversity of desserts like I like never could have conceived before coming to France. And Jess was like, how many can I get? And I was like, fill your boots, I don't care. But it is 40 degrees outside, so mm-hmm. you know, be aware that you're going to need to eat them all today. One thing that I've had my eye on for the last while, because it keeps popping up everywhere, is this thing called Ram Baba, Ramo Baba. I want to know what that actually means, because it sounds like a drunk baby. Look it up. A Ram Baba, or Baba O Ram, is a small yeast cake saturated in syrup made with hard liquor, usually rum, and sometimes filled with whipped cream or pastries. When we were looking at all the pastries Jess was picking... Like, I'll have one of these, one of these, one of those, one of those, one of these. And as I was walking through, I saw this rum baba, which... No, well, there was a rum baba that was, like, the original rum baba that had, like, a little bit of fruit on top. Mm. And then there was, like, rum baba, like, with chantilly. And you went for that one. Which is the whipped cream. cream. So I saw the rum baba as, like, a cake, a full-size cake. And the sign said they also had individual sizes, but I didn't see any. So I asked the woman behind the counter thinking French. Mm-hmm. Killing it with the French. I asked her if I could have an individual rum baba with whipping cream and she's like, she looks, she's like, because ah, she can see that the case was empty. She goes in the back, comes out with a full tray of these pastries covered in decadent whipping cream and she gave me this look like, oh yeah, I got a whole tray of these bitches and I, I felt really happy. So with our bag full of goodies, we dropped like 30 euro there or something. And then we went, we like sat down on the edge of the street outside. It was so nice and air conditioned in there. Yeah. But but we sat down on the curb on the street outside because there were no tables or anything. It was just like a pastry shop. And Jess was like, no, there's a Starbucks like a block up. Like, Mm -hmm. let's, let's go order anything. I don't care. And sit inside Starbucks. Yeah. Which was a good idea because it was air conditioned in there. It was air conditioned. It had a rough bathroom. I don't think you used it, but it no. was it was rough. Like I don't I don't know if it was water on the floor or pee, but either way, there was a lot of it. It, it looked like water and smelled like pee. I don't know. It was <laughs> too much to be pee and too smelly to be water. <laughs> too much to be pee. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. 
I mean, it is a Starbucks. That's like there's a, a lot of fluid circulating. Yeah, yeah, constant. <laughs> it's like a rainforest in there. We did sit there and totally just like gorge on our box of pastries from store. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to say about the lunch. When we had lunch on Rue Saint Germain. I had a double gin cocktail with like pear syrup and like prosecco, and it was really delicious and fancy. Um, I felt like a real little gentleman, <laughs> like like Baxter and Anchorman. And I followed that up with uh, Bordeaux that Jess was talking about to go with my duck breast and Jess's tartare. And you know that's getting a little boozy, but honestly, it wasn't until. We got into Starbucks, and I started eating my rum baba that I recognized that this thing was more rum than baba. Like, <laughs> it was fully saturated. When I tried to cut it with my spoon, liquid squished out of it, yeah. and it was all, like, straight rum. Yeah. So sitting in Starbucks, I got a mean buzz on. This stuff was, it was spicy. Like, it had not been cooked off. It was just, like, a scone soaking in a pool of rum and I got kind of drunk and <laughs> I was not expecting that like it was a stiff stiff pastry got the tart citron um got their signature chocolate eclair I'm realizing I'm not a big eclair person I don't think that's for me you know? I think I like eclairs but that one was like dark chocolate it was like 65% cacao it was like quite rich and savory yeah, it, it was also filled to the brim, which is great. That's value. That's value for what you're paying for. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. If it's six euro for a long john. I don't know if that's value. <laughs> was it six euro? I thought it was like 450. Yeah, it was probably like, I don't know. I'm guessing uh, that everything was like five euro ish. Yeah. Well, we got also got a giant palmier, um, a kunaman. Which Nobody knows what these things are. They can look it up. How do you spell kunaman? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kunaman, yeah, it's K-O-U-I-G-N-A-M-A-N-N. That's very... Kunaman. Um, <laughs> it's like a spelling. Can you tell me its origin, please? French. Can, can you use it in a sentence? I enjoyed my Kunaman. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I like a Kunaman. A Kunamantada. A Kunamantada. What a wonderful pastry. That's a good one. Thanks. Yeah, it ain't no passive wastery, that's for sure. <laughs> uh. Yeah, a kunamon, a rambaba, a tart citron, a palmier, and a chocolate eclair. That's what we walked away with yesterday. It was a mythful. Mm-hmm. And we did enjoy it. Um, the majority of it, I don't know, we ate at least half of it in that Starbucks with a coconut water. Yeah. So that we didn't feel guilty about using up their table. We totally could have just sat there, though. I felt bad. Eh, Starbucks makes it. Starbucks is doing okay. No, I know. I felt bad for the other patrons in there who felt obligated to get a drink. So I was like, ugh, I don't want to just, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Anyways, it was good. It was really delicious. Um, the sad thing is, though, is that I wanted to save the tart citron. But anyways. From there we went to, we took the train back, like we crisscrossed, we really crisscrossed on the same train line up and down. North, up and down, up and down, North and, and down, south yeah. for like six hours. We went back to the French catacombs. We got there a half hour late because there was a crazy delay on the train line. Yep. And 
it was so fucking hot. We're like running upstairs and skipping to a different train line and like sweating our asses off to get to the catacombs a half hour late, but we still had time and our tickets were good. And then we descended like a hundred meters. 132 steps in total. Okay. 132 steps. That's okay. So not quite a hundred meters, a hundred, you know, baby meters, uh, <laughs> into the, into the darkness the cool embrace of of the earth the earth yeah man i freaking loved it down there not just because it was cool um because it was cool <laughs> get it mm. <laughs> so unimpressed no, no, no I, was, I was savoring it uh, I, i'm sure that's what that look was yeah, like when you when you taste like a really nice wine, you don't mm. get giddy. You just get like, mm. you know, that was your joke. You, that was the, like fine wine. My joke was like fine wine. Yeah. Oh dear. Okay. Well, yeah. It was it was awesome. I loved it. I wish we could have gone to the restricted areas. Yeah. There were so many gates, so many like winding little tunnels that you would see. Once you walk past, and I wish we could have done it. I wish they were open, but I understand why they aren't. You know, people have gotten lost and people have died in there. However, would have been cool. Not to say that the whole thing wasn't cool, anyway. What it really is is an ossuary, which is like a place where they store bones. Yeah. And originally, they were limestone quarries, and then there was a problem with a graveyard. <laughs> And they needed somewhere to dump all these bodies, so they, like, piled them up in the old limestone tunnels. And then at some point, somebody came along and was like, this is pretty gross that these are just, like, piles of bones. Maybe we should organize them. Yeah. And they lined the hallways with the bones instead. It was nice and cool. It was pretty creepy. And I learned that I have mild claustrophobia. There's... If you were over six feet tall in there, you'd be fucked. You would have to, like, crouch You'd have the to crouch the entire time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually thinking, I was like, man, I am the perfect height for walking through here. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of gives you a sense of, like, how tall the people were back then. Yeah, they must have been shorter, like, yeah, for sure. Um, but I had a great time walking through. It felt like a privilege to be in there. And I really <laughs> didn't like the people who were making, like, jokes. I mean, I get it. I get it. Who's making jokes? Like, there's this one family in front of us where I'm pretty sure that they were American based on their accent. It was either American or Canadian, and we're not claiming them, so they were American. (laughs) Well, it's just the mom kept on being like, go, go do another thing. Go do another thing, sweetie. And, like, the girl would, like, stick her fingers through, like, Skull's eyes and stuff and just, like, make faces. I was like... Like, that's real disrespectful. Yeah, that was something I struggled with a little bit. It's like, yeah, it's a pile of bones that's there for people to, like, enjoy, you know, and it's a quirky sight, but that skull is still, like, somebody's... That that encapsulated yeah. their brain. It's still like, a dead person. Yeah. And, like, you wouldn't do that in a graveyard. Well, some people would, I guess. But, <laughs> but like, each each skull is still a real person. And, yeah, I struggled with that a little bit. Like, the understanding that you were walking past all of these, like, people. Yeah, and each one had a life. Yeah. Like, I didn't, and I think 
I don't know. I presume that people like the woman you're describing don't really think about it like that. But they're not movie props. Like, it's... Yeah. It, it is weird. When you first go down these 132 steps or whatever, you emerge into this tunnel that's fairly dark. And like we said, the ceiling is really low. It's also narrow on the sides. And it felt like in parts the ceiling got lower. Mm-hmm. And you're aware that you are, you know, a solid 100 feet below street level in this like limestone bedrock there's water dripping in places and for people who don't know the the geography of paris there are rivers through like the seine runs through and there's lots of water and i was nervous as shit that that dripping of water down the limestone wall or from the ceiling was from like a a crevice that was breaking through from the river and soon <laughs> The whole thing was just going to fill with water and nobody can swim fast enough to get back up those hundred steps while they're filling with water. I was, I was pretty terrified, to be honest. I was like... Wow, you did not let on at all. I don't want to ruin your good time. Yeah, from time to time I would turn around and like wait for Chris, reach my hand out so that he could like come hold my hand. But you, you never really let on. I could tell that you were anxious. Like, I could tell that you were getting more and more anxious, especially in parts where um, the ceilings weren't as high or, you know, the, the drippy bits. The parts where, like, it got kind of slippery on the ground or whatever from all of the condensation. But, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't know the extent of, of your concern. Yeah. <laughs> there was... So, stop me if I've told you this story, but there was one time when I was, like, maybe, like, 19 years old, or maybe, yeah, around 19, and I was in Williams Lake, and I was with my friend Dave and some other people, and we went to this spot where there's caves somewhere up in the hills, and you can descend down a tunnel vertically, like, 20 feet into this blackness, and... It's not like the cave where we were. There's no electricity or anything. It's just literally a hole in the ground in the forest. And we crawled down there and went, like, then horizontally through some passages, some that were so narrow they would be, like, two feet in height, and you had to, like, literally, like, crawl through it, and you'd merge into this big room. And then there'd be another, like, a a couple different potential tunnels off that room, and then you go to another one, and there's a bigger room. And we all hung out down there. And it was fine. And, you know, we had lighters and flashlights and whatever. But then we got out and I had forgotten something down there that wasn't mine. So Dave was like, you know, go back and get it. And I was by myself this time. And I just had a lighter. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm Chris. I'm a fucking maniac. I'll do whatever. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) And (laughs) true story. And so I crawled down there. And I'm by myself now, and I navigate in this like complete blackness except for this big lighter, trying to conserve it because if you if you keep a lighter on too yeah, long, yeah, it melts the plastic and yeah. it pops and it doesn't work anymore. Sure. And I get into this room, and I can't find you know I'm feeling around and I can't mm-hmm. find what I was looking for. So I go over to the other room, can't find it, can't find it, can't find it, and then it kind of like set in for me like I think it was this the effect of not being able to like 
find what I was looking for made me realize that I don't really know my way around. Yeah. And it was then that I realized that I was alone some number of feet deep underground with no light and potential to get lost because there were different tunnels with different ways to go. And I started to fucking lose it. And yeah, I was I like, fuck your thing. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. And it was then that I realized that there was like a many to one relationship of the tunnels. Like mm. one tunnel goes into the room. But then when you go to go out of the room, you realize that there are actually other holes that you could potentially go in. So as I decide to go back to the surface, I don't even know if I'm going in the right direction. Oof. Like, again, by myself, it is so silent that... so pitch black. So silent and so black, but but so silent that I could hear my heart beating Mm. in my chest and beating faster and faster. As I started to feel like maybe I was lost down there and the the weight of the earth above me was crushing. Like, not literally, but like yeah, it felt yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah. And I'm like army crawling, like knees and elbows, like, <laughs> like, and I wanted to yell out for somebody to like come down, come down. Yeah, and yeah, meet yeah. me. Yeah. But I was so scared that they wouldn't hear me. And then that would cause That would panic. make it so yeah. much worse. That would make it so much more real. Yeah. Yeah. I was fucking terrified and i like i've never really been claustrophobic before Mm. but that was not a good time and i got out and i was like go find your thing your fucking self i'm not going back down there ever and i forgot about that (laughs) mostly until we're 100 feet you know underground in this like low ceiling limestone tunnel and it all kind of came back all came flooding back pun intended oh dear yeah it was uh anyway so long story short i think i'm a little bit claustrophobic we can cut that very long story but no i like it i like that story it's a it's a good it's a good story that that's yours i i had way too much i'm experiencing a sugar high way too much pommy yeah yeah hmm. um because there's also sugar in my coffee so right. We also had um, an audio tour in the catacombs. Yeah, which was really awesome because you could learn about the history. It had nice little drippy wet sounds in it. Because <laughs> there weren't enough drippy wet sounds in the tunnel. Yeah, exactly. It was really cool. I had a good time. I keep saying it was really cool. Can you just like cut out all of my it was really cools? You just got to, I mean, yes, but you got to just replace it with like the specific thing that you mean. I do mean it was really cool. Well, what about it? All of it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. It's just still saying it was really cool. I in a know. Way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by it was really cool? Use different words. The setting was chilled. <laughs> there was a, a distinct lack of heat in the vicinity. It was really cool. I took a, a number of pictures. Mm. of Justin there too and there's like this plaque that says you know you're entering the empire of death and all this stuff it was um that was pretty neat. it was pretty neat but it was pretty creepy I I didn't have as much of a problem with the bones as I expected but Mm. partially because I was expecting a little more theater like for it to be a little more ornate but really it's just like if you don't go into like a VIP tour or whatever yeah you don't get to see like the actual tomb tombs yeah they're really just halls with stacked bones and you just walk through them and then you're out there's not like these grand, you know, like church organs with skulls on them and stuff like mm-hmm. I was expecting. That would have made you feel uncomfortable? I don't know. It, I picture it with a lot more bones than just like piles of femurs like we saw. Mm. 
But for how many femurs there were? That's Ooh, a lot of femurs. That means, you know, there's only there's only so many femurs per human body, so it was pretty intense. So that was the catacombs, and uh, when we climbed back up, back into the stifling heat of the sun, back into the domain of the sun, it was fucking hot, and then we just needed to get a postcard and get the fuck out of there. Yep, which we did. We got a postcard, and then we got the fuck out of there, and we arrived at our train, only for it to be delayed by an hour. So that was like, if we can make it to our train at least 10 minutes early, I'm going to buy a pint of cold beer and just drink the whole thing. Mm. And we did not. We did not make it back because I kept going to the wrong platform. Yeah. And Chris is basically like running us in the wrong direction. So we're all just like jumping about. And then I was like, hey, wait a second. We were here before. We have to go up into hall one. So we race all the way up the stairs and I'm just like swinging my Storer bag around <laughs> trying to make it to our train. And then once we realized that it was delayed, it was delayed we popped a squat. Just... We had to sit on the floor with yeah. everybody else. With it everybody was else. hot in there. Yeah. And uh, Chris looked at me and he was just like, you should really start eating some of your snacks. Your desserts. Like, yeah. And so I was like, okay, yeah, sounds good. And I really didn't think that, like, maybe it would have been like, I, I didn't think that my, my, um, Tart Citron would have been like moved around very much. It was it was really well positioned inside the box, so I was super excited to open it up and eat it. And when I opened it, it it was a pool of liquid Tart Citron in the bottom of the box, <laughs> just like swimming around in there with a little cookie wafer, like. The, <laughs> <laughs> the, the like cream used to sit on and yeah. had completely liquefied. Man, it was so disappointing. I was so sad because it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't beautiful anymore. But but um, at Storer we asked for a spoon, and so I started digging into it anyways, scooping up whatever little bits of basically like melty cream, melty like tart lime cream. Yeah, lime cream. And spooning it into my mouth. It was actually so fucking delicious. Yeah. So, so, so delicious. Um, but it was so hot that the little plastic spoon kept on bending every single time I tried to use it. And then it snapped. So then I had to just use the little <laughs> scoopy bit. Little spade. Yeah, <laughs> little exactly. Little spoon head. To huh. keep eating at it. But. Yeah, so much disappointment. Carrying around this like last dessert, last decadent dessert all day get to the train station we're so stressed we're so hot we sit down on the floor finally a minute of rest while we're waiting for a train that's delayed just opens the dessert box disaster yeah so sad it's okay still delicious still delicious i still ate every little bit of it as much as i could anyways you you know what it makes me think of Mm. like the end of the frosty the snowman cartoon (laughs) frosty and they like look and it's just a puddle like a carrot with his little face <laughs> his little face just all wonky little eyes made of coal yeah dripping in opposite directions it's still in the fridge i put the box in the fridge what whatever's in the box in the fridge there's nothing in the box well you got a nice cold box in the fridge <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then our train was an hour and a half or i guess an hour late yeah it must have been an hour and a half by the time we departed yeah, by the time that we departed, it was closer to, like, 9.20. Yeah. 
and not unlike the subways, it was just packed with bodies, and it was like living inside somebody's breath. It was stifling. Yeah. And that was the case all day on the train. It was just like body to body, wall to wall, and hot air, hot body heat. Like I actually, I really didn't enjoy that. I'm realizing that I just don't like hot weather. Not, <laughs> not hot weather. Like oppressive weather. I don't like oppressive weather. I do like hot weather. No, I don't like big cities because of that. The bodies on bodies on bodies. Yeah, it was really upsetting. And we did not encounter any pickpockets. Nope. I'm almost disappointed. Like. <laughs> you wanted somebody to try you? Yeah. Fucking try me. Fucking try me, bitch. What about me makes it look like I'm not easy? Yeah, what do you think I'm poor? <laughs> That's probably exactly it. Look at that dude in flip flops with the dirty feet. You actually had such dirty feet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Your feet turn into like little gremlin feet whenever we travel. Like, whenever we walk around. Well, flip-flops in the city, you know, it's dusty, it's dirty. You know, my I heels are going to get black. I flip-flops in the city yesterday. I didn't have dirty little black foots. <laughs> just something about you. Just pick up all the dirt. All the dirty little black foots. It's part of my heritage. It's, it's genetic. It helps me blend in with the soil. It helps me move faster on rugged terrain. <laughs> I pick up the dirt on my feet. It's like motion camouflage. <laughs> I become, I become like a mudslide right? streaking across the hilly dales. Yeah, well, that's that's important because yeah. you know when when you're when you're running away from a predator or something, they will always look at the bottom of your feet to see if they can find you. No, it's more. The rest of your it's more about speed than literal camouflage. It's like the soilier I am, the faster I can move on soil. You know what I mean? Yeah. A rolling stone gathers no moss type of thing. Gotcha. So, I'm like a rolling stone, dirt and all. Yeah, that imagery is so funny. I'm just like, you being like, I'm camouflaged. Just because I got dirty feet. And, I mean, to be fair, it's a lot of city dust and it was hot and like the asphalt is black and like, there's, the air pollution was pretty significant. The air pollution was so bad. I got home and I blew my nose and... It was all gray, all yeah. gray boogers. Yeah. Yeah. It was gross. Very gross. It was quite gross. So that was our that was our second and last big day in Paris. It was yeah. definitely worth it. It was a little more comfortable pace than our first day, but we didn't accomplish quite as much, which yeah. was okay because we had before. All in all, I still think Paris is worth it. I would like I could imagine going back there. If I set my life up a lot more comfortably and I had a routine, I could imagine spending a week or two in Paris. That's kind of been like the uh, the theme. The theme is like, where can we go back to when we have money to actually enjoy the place? I think I still wouldn't choose Paris over Madrid, but I wouldn't choose Paris over um, Capri. Yeah. Just like being able to swim in the Med was so awesome. Yeah. I had such a great time. It was pretty cool. Swimming in the Mediterranean. <laughs> Yeah, mucho fredo, mucho sal. Yeah. Very cold, very salt. Molto, not mucho. Mucho, yes. molto. molto. Yeah, molto fredo, molto sal. Yeah. Um, um, now we've only got two days left before we leave France. We take our British Airways flight to London in two days at 6 a.m. 
two days? Oh, wow. Today's the 20th, right? yeah. Wow. And, yeah. We've done a lot more in Leon than we've talked about, though. Like, I made Bouf Bourguignon, which was... From scratch? From scratch, where I, like, marinated the beef and the pearl onions and carrots and everything in, like, Bordeaux for two days. The last time we went to Paris and came back and made it. Mm-hmm. Just flashed our neighbor across the alleyway. Because it's really hot out here, and we keep our windows and curtains open all the time. And we're in France, whatever. They're just boobs. You just get over it. It wasn't just boobs, though. It was the whole... It was full frontal, and I felt so bad because the man was just just enjoying his coffee. He was leaning out of his balcony, enjoying his coffee, and he happened to look my way. And... Right when I looked up, I saw that he was staring, but then, like, because he saw me look up, he also, like, looked away, just, so, <gasps> just like, I don't know, just to be polite, I guess. Um, and, yeah, I, I still feel really bad about that. Yeah, Jess was getting something out of the fridge, and she, like, swung the fridge door open and stood behind it. <laughs> <laughs> and I told Chris, I was like, so, Amanda saw me completely <laughs> naked uh, across the way there. And Chris was like, so you're just going to hide behind the fridge? And I was like, no, I'm going to go put on some clothes. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted you to think that it was an accident, but really that was the reason he was leaning out his window. Probably that's prime time in the day. I bet bet every girl in every apartment window was also nude. It's so hot. Yeah. We're, We're in Satan's asshole right now. Like, this is the vortex of global warming. Like... I mean, and it's funny because it's apparently the earth has just warmed like 1.2 degrees, but like it's it's enough to fucking cause this. Anyways. It's a lot. Yeah. I am upset. Yeah. So we're going to go back today to this patio that has misters. Yes! Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. And that's, Ugh, that's pretty can't much can't wait it. to be misted. The only other thing would be to potentially go back to the lake and go to the beach, but I don't think it's worth being on the hot sand just to jump into the water once in a while. And also that lake, because it's not very big, I bet it's getting warm. I bet it's getting warm and gross. Yeah. Because everybody else wants to be that too. I bet it's getting real gross and real warm. Yeah. It's not a lake. It's a pond. It's a Calgary lake. It's a Calgary lake. Well, you know how like in Calgary, they've got these little communities built around men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man-made reservoirs they're really just like big ponds and they're like it's called lake blah 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 and you're like no it's fucking not you you can't even (laughs) kayak across that because when the tip of your kayak leaves your shore the front of your kayak touches the opposite shore good one yeah (laughs) that's how small it is tiny tiny (laughs) it's like a puddle (laughs) yeah that's calgary calgary wilderness for you oh dear did we already say goodbye? I don't Yeah, we said goodbye. Au revoir! <laughs> adieu. 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 So that was our day being Emily's in Paris. Ugh, gross.
Jess's new favorite show, by the by. I hate it. She loves it. It's uh, <laughs> it's so accurate is the thing that I think she likes about it the most. It's a really accurate depiction of French culture and especially of being an Anglophone in French society. So anybody who's curious to know what we've been through, Emily in Paris really nails it. Really nails it. All the way from the English accents on the French-speaking actors to the... Actually, that's pretty much the most egregious thing. 